This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Let's fuck this shit. It's only game. Why you have to be mad? For live. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about <laughs> thinking about the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> when are you not thinking about the Arizona Coyotes? Well. I was just feel like I was peacefully going about my life until Katie Strang dropped this bombshell investigation on us today. I know. It feels like something from like a movie, like someone slid something underneath our door and was like, hey, check this out. Huge week slash 48 hour period for drama in the NHL. But before we get into that, welcome back to Puck Bunnies. It's a podcast about hockey. I'm Audrey. I'm Christina. And We're happy to be here. The Arizona Coyotes are, and I quote, a complete shit show. Yeah, so the big news around the league this morning, this morning being Tuesday, February 16th, is that the Arizona Coyotes are a dumpster fire, which is also <laughs> another quote from Katie Strang's explosive piece in The Athletic. Uh, wow. I mean, where do... I, I don't even know where to even start with this because there's so many threads to the story that you could pull and we could have a whole episode about it. Absolutely. So we could just start with the hits, I guess. I mean, every single thing. Assembling this piece for Katie Strang was like the Ocean's Eleven of different scandals that an organization can experience. We've got financial scandals. We've got potential bankruptcy. We've got people getting fired. We've got sexual harassment being investigated. Always got to have one of those in there. You got to throw in a sexual harassment claim just, you know, just to really widen things out. Yeah, I mean, it really runs the gamut of what you can do wrong as an ownership. So this piece dropped this morning. And basically, the main through line is that the Arizona Coyotes have been, let's, we're going to kindly describe it as struggling. How long have they been struggling, Audrey? I don't think it's that important to like put a date on it, but I would say like since <laughs> since they moved from Winnipeg to Arizona. So they moved from Winnipeg to Arizona about 25 years ago. That's correct. And Gary Bettman has continued to try to find water in the desert with the Arizona Coyotes, and that has just not happened. And they were really hopeful that things were, you know, getting turned around a couple years ago whenever this new ownership group bought out the Arizona Coyotes. Yes, so when Alex Marullo came in and bought a 95% share in the team, that was 2018 or 2019. He took over in 2019. And I think it's important to note here, and she she goes into this in the piece, but before... Uh, he bought the Coyotes. He actually tried to buy the the Hawks. Yeah, the NBA team in Atlanta. 
Yeah, so he tried to buy the Hawks in 2011, but the NBA basically said, no, we think you're over-leveraged, meaning we don't think you have the money to actually run this. Right. But, you know, it's the NHL, we so of course. We think you're actually a broke bitch, so uh, we're not going to give this franchise to you. Also, speaking of Atlanta, I, I think what a lot of people have been saying online today after this piece came out is like, hmm, it's really interesting that Gary Bettman is willing to lay it all on the line for the Arizona Coyotes, but wasn't willing to do the same thing for, say, the Atlanta Thrashers. It's really interesting. There's a lot There's a lot of stuff that we could go into about, you know, sort of Gary Bettman's insertion of where teams are going to be located. <laughs> you know what? what I'll, I'll just say one thing about that. If, like me, you have Jewish grandparents who are around Gary Bettman's age or older, they want to retire <laughs> in Glendale. They don't want to retire in Atlanta. Is this your unifying theory of Gary Bettman that yeah. he just really wants to live in Arizona? Absolutely. I think he wants to retire, get a nice big house in Glendale, sit by the pool, have like an NHL franchise he can kind of chime in on and feel like he's still getting his kicks in the league. And that's why he's attached to the Arizona Coyotes. Thank you. That is my theory. I yield my time. Honestly, I think it's a pretty good one because that is, without a doubt, the closest thing to a good reason that I could it's hear. closest to whatever coherent reason we're going to get. And we've already had a reaction from the Arizona Coyotes. Well, do you want to go, actually, do you want to go into a little bit more what they said first? Let's talk about um, the, the main takeaways from this piece. Was there anything that really surprised you from this investigation? I was surprised at how much everybody was surprised. <laughs> I agree. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm surprised that they thought this guy was going to come in and really turn the franchise around. I'm surprised that they, they got the wool pulled over their eyes as much as they did. Like financially speaking, because financially, usually you would think professional sports leagues would have their ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. But it got so bad with the Coyotes that they weren't playing their players. Yeah. It's not just staff. They didn't play several prospects their signing bonuses. They were finding little tricky ways to like, oh no, sorry, the check must have gotten lost in the mail. Like things that we've all experienced with yes. really bad employers, but like on a massive scale. Right. It's, I mean, you don't really think of players having to like contact their boss, a.k.a. the GM. The NHL Players Association was going to get involved. And they only right. and then didn't they paid them right away. because the Coyotes were like, oh, fuck. Oh, God, oh, fuck. And that's sort of Marulo's whole business model. And Strang lays that out in her piece that he basically, he's that art of the deal kind of guy. Wow, which- where have I heard that before? Exactly. I mean, he was supposed to be, I mean, he's supposed to be sort of like a Trumpian figure. He came from nothing. He started uh, his businesses by basically revamping a pizza shop. Yes. And so he is trying to run the franchise like it's a pizza shop where you can cut a lot of corners. And it turns out you can't do that. Wow. He needed to learn to make a square pizza instead of a round pizza so that he didn't have to cut any corners. Thank you. Thank you for completing that metaphor for me. I appreciate that. (laughs) I'm so sorry. What was shocking to me was the way in which they bungled the their draft pick from this past summer, who they eventually gave the rights up for because he was a racist racist who did literal hate crimes. And the fact that it was agreed upon in the summer when the draft was supposed to be happening almost a year ago now. That like, okay, we can't draft this kid. Like, we have to let him go. 
October comes around. Between July and October, the GM left, the president of the organization left. There were scouting changes, everything top to bottom, like people were just gone. Mm -hmm. Somehow, in that transitory period, they just either lost track or purposely disremembered that they were not supposed to draft this kid and then drafted him. Was there no sticker on this guy's file? Like, do not draft, racist. And the worst thing, the worst thing is that, like, they blamed it on this woman who came in to do, like, a psychological profile on whether or not they should draft him back in the summer. And and when she expressed concerns then, she said, no, you shouldn't draft him. And then they tried to pin the whole, they tried to throw her under the bus completely after they drafted him. And eventually they had to back off and be like, okay, no, it wasn't her fault. But it's just an well, indication yeah. of, like, what working for that organization must be like. Right. It's like every terrible workplace that you've been to times 11. Yeah. And it's not it's not just stuff like this. It's in their office mm-hmm. as well. Uh, apparently, Mr. Marullo, as he demanded to be called, don't you dare call him Alex, would just berate people for yeah. minutes at a time in front of their coworkers or colleagues. And you know what? Hands up if that's ever happened to you. <laughs> Two hands, way the fuck up. up. But if you listen to this podcast, I want you to know there is no reason for an adult to yell at you in the workplace. There's absolutely no reason. No reason whether it's in private or in public. That is unacceptable whether or not you're working retail, whether you're working in a restaurant, whether you're working a nine to five corporate office job. There is no reason to have that happen to you. So if you were being yelled at, I'm sorry that you didn't deserve that. If you work for the Arizona Coyotes and that happened to you, I'm sorry. Especially if you're that psychological profile lady. (laughs) Um, Oh my God. (laughs) Wait, wait. Can we talk about his son? Yes, we can talk about Kendall. Marullo Jr. Kendall and or Roman Marullo. Hidden within this story is also a harrowing family drama. A fail son of the highest order. I feel like every good billionaire has at least one fail son. Of course. Like, you gotta have one. Preferably to really two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really go for broke and have a daughter too while you're at it. <laughs> so, Mr. Marullo installed his son to basically be in charge of hockey operations. Yeah, he was some sort of strategic advisor role. Which is great because he didn't know anything about hockey. No. Which is like if you put me or Audrey as a special VP of hockey operations. Exactly. He didn't know anything about the cap. They had to create little assignments for him to teach him They gave him homework. They gave him slideshows. I would have loved that (laughs) sidebar. Like, I would love if someone would like to do that to me, like teach me the fundamentals. But he just had no interest in learning. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just great. Yes, going on to like the more journalism-y part of how this has been handled, the organization itself clearly was responding to this in a manner I would say was modeled after one of our most recent presidents. Hmm. (laughs) Starting with allegedly Doug Armstrong, who's the current GM, calling Katie Strang at some point during the past six months that she was working on this story and telling her that he thought that The Athletic was getting his information because somebody was getting into his computer. Like somebody was was stealing, stealing his information and publishing it. 
he said to her, what if I told all the other GMs and executives around the league that this was how you're doing your job? I don't know who's getting my information or publishing it, but whoever it is, they belong in jail. Which is really interesting, uh, because that's kind of threatening a reporter. It is a little bit. If you ask me. And Katie Strang isn't someone, like, she's not like a brand new reporter or anything. She's been a hockey reporter for years. She's a fuck around and find out reporter. But let's talk about then um, how the Arizona Coyotes have since responded, which um, was releasing a statement in response to the piece probably six hours after it was published today, claiming that The Athletic has for, quote, several months condoned a harassment campaign against Mr. Alex Marullo. Mr. Mr. Alex Marullo. Mr. The Arizona Coyotes, the Marullo Group, and dozens of current employees and former employees. So they basically did the classic, this is fake news, the media is the enemy. (laughs) Do you think that there was a way for them to have responded to this without throwing a metric ton of oil onto the fire? Because I read this statement and I'm like, okay, I now, I mean, I believe believe everything. everything (laughs) I believe everything that Katie said anyway, because it's Katie and I trust her. And also she works for The Athletic. And as a lawyer, I know that she had to go through legal to publish something like this. So obviously it's true. I've read a lot of statements like this over the past few years from everything from the presidential administration to the Department of Justice, you know, all like the asshole grifters who were in charge of our government. And as soon as you include in your statement, we will be exploring all of our legal options in response to this. I fucking know that everything that was alleged about you is true. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) That is the number one indication to me that, like, you are guilty. Absolutely. And I think what they're scared about is so one of one of the allegations is that they were fucking around with profit sharing. Mm -hmm. And that is something that affects the entire league. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that gets Gary Bettman involved. And that's the kind of thing that makes you no longer an owner anymore. Mm -hmm. So they're terrified because of that. And I just don't. Their press person must really hate them because this just says I'm guilty all over it. I know. I know. I know. And I want to give a shout out to Scott Burnside, who I'm sure is not listening. I would hope has stopped listening to Puck Bunnies. I just want to give him a quick shout out because the conversation that Christina and I had with him a year and a half ago, he was so dead on about the coyotes. And I got into a huge argument with him about how this team like belonged in Phoenix, that they shouldn't relocate. And um, I was wrong. He was right. I'm really sad about this. This was my hometown. Like, this was the first experience with hockey that I ever had. Right. The franchise came to Phoenix six to ten months after I was born. My dad had season tickets. And so, like, he started taking me when I was really, really young. So that was, like, my first experience with live sports. So it's just, it's, like, really sad. It's really sad. It's really sad. And it also sucks because, like, this is a franchise that was also making a lot of diversity efforts yes to really bring in a lot of people into the sport and the marulos seem to be people who want it were, mm-hmm. like they push that mm-hmm. and it turns out that they were probably also defrauding some of their diversity money Whoops. so that's pretty perfect yeah oops it's a huge blow to everyone in who was a fan of hockey in the desert and it's you know we make fun of the coyotes a lot but there are fans and there's a ton of fans who are going to be very disappointed to see we all exist stuff. and we're valid All 12 of you, you're out there. You're listening. What do you think is going to happen? 
I don't know. What's funny is that like I was listening to 31 Thoughts podcast, which is this the Sportsnet podcast that Elliot Friedman hosts, and they were talking about the Canucks and the Canucks ownership and how badly the Canucks ownership has fucked up this year and how bad Jim Benning is at his job, but how Jim Benning is probably going to keep his job because nobody wants to upset the balance of like this already very fraught, fragile, shortened season. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just wondering, like, if the dominoes start falling with the coyotes, like if there's any fallout from this whatsoever, is that going to change the direction of like what's happening with other teams in the league? Because I really do think that with a 50, you know, six game season or whatever, they don't want to make changes like that. They don't want to have to start from scratch, whether it's the GM, whether it's the coaching staff, they don't want to rock the boat. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that they can do sort of a large-scale intervention in the middle of a season that is in itself basically a large-scale intervention. Right. I think what's what's funny to think about is people like Eugene Melnick. <laughs> you think about you think about how bad he is at the Senate, like you know, owning the Senators. And I was reading this story today, and I'm like, God, he looks like a great owner yeah. compared to these guys. So I feel like a lot of owners are going to get out of the hot seat now. Absolutely. I think if nothing happens from this, I think it's just going to get worse. And I, But I agree with you that the season continuing to take place is going to be the priority no matter what happens. Right. And speaking of the season continuing to take place, come hell or high water, uh, let's uh, just see how the NHL is dealing with coronavirus <laughs> this week. Wait, you know what? Let's check in on the Jersey game. Oh, yeah. They're back tonight, right? Yeah, I don't know who's on there. Oh, well, they scored a goal. Good for them. New Jersey's back playing. Love that for them. We're almost all back in action. That's the good news. Who's still out? Do you know? Uh, I think the Flyers are planning on playing on Thursday, which will be their last game before they go play at Lake Tahoe, apparently. That game that is definitely going to happen. Every time I see something <laughs> about the Lake Tahoe game, I, I keep waiting I'm for like, it. I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think they're going to cancel them. I don't think they're going to cancel them at this point. Also, I will say the way that they are marketing the Tahoe game, it does kind of sound like they are going to play it on Lake Tahoe. I mean, definitely, I think that is the implication that you're supposed to come away with. Yeah, what a, what a bullshit. Anyway, whatever. I Sorry. just think it would be too hard to get the ice conditions. Like, you need to get a Zam- be able to get a Zamboni out there. Oh, it would be impossible. <laughs> it would be objectively impossible for them to play on Lake Tahoe, but they need to stop <laughs> implying. Anyway. That was so funny. I loved that. Um, you rarely get to see Andre Burakovsky be the um, smarter uh, person <laughs> in an interview, but yeah. it was really good to see that pierre Edward Bellamar of the <laughs> Avs really thought they were going to be playing on Lake Tahoe at the beginning of the season. And uh, a reporter asked him about like if he was excited for it, and he was like, I'm really excited. It's going to be just like pond hockey, like to get out on the lake. And Andre was like, we're not actually playing <laughs> on the lake, like... God! See, and that's what I want to see more of. I want to see more of the guys being dudes and not really knowing where they're playing or where they're going to be. It's perfect. Right. So just a reminder, the Lake Tahoe, or as the commercials say, the Lake Tahoe games are <laughs> are supposed to be this weekend. And it's supposed to be Bruins Flyers and Avs Knights. So we're sitting at a solid three out of four of those teams have sat out for some portion of the season in the last three weeks because of COVID reasons. I think the the Flyers are the Flyers are the only ones who are not officially back 
as of this recording yes. time. But they are supposed to be, like, most of them have come off the COVID list. But it's confirmed that Claude Giroux had it and a bunch Did of Oscar other players. Have it? I don't think we've gotten that information yet. But yeah, Oscar Lindblom, who, like, really recently had a very rare form of leukemia, was put on the COVID list last week. And I was just like, what are we doing here? We're still playing hockey. We're playing hockey, baby. There have been 35 games postponed. But I'm really interested to see with the Flyers and like also any other players who are recovering from COVID but are expected to play in these outdoor games this weekend is Ilya Samsonov, the Caps goalie, who has not yet been put back in, said that he was having trouble breathing Mm -hmm. when he was trying to come back. And I'm just wondering how the fresh, brisk air of Lake Tahoe and the high altitude is going to be affecting these NHL players this coming weekend. It does seem like very, almost like a biblical (laughs) parable that's about to happen. Wow, our hubris thinking that we could have this outdoor game (laughs) during the middle of a worldwide pandemic. Something bad (laughs) is going to happen. Like this shouldn't be happening. We're going against God right now. It just feels faded, faded to be bad. No, absolutely. What was I talking to you about today that was like, this is a literal plague? Oh, the um, Stars games getting postponed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, deep in the heart of Texas, <laughs> deep in the heart of Texas, they're covered in snow and there's no power for anyone. Thousands of people may die and the Stars aren't playing. But they could have. They could And they were planning to. They were all dressed up. The city of Dallas um, specifically asked that they would not do that to <laughs> conserve electricity in the midst of a like historic power outage. So yeah, um, the, the plagues are descending on the NHL. And the Tahoe games, and I was reading a little bit about them today, because I've like kind of avoided learning anything about them because I was so sure they were going to get canceled. Mm-hmm. My question is, why did they feel that they had to do this this year? That's what I'm saying. That's why it's like biblically wrong. It, it just seems so full of pride and hubris this to do something like this. season is already so much shorter. And usually these kind of outdoor games, like the Winter Classic, mm-hmm. they take like a year, like over a year to plan. But they did all of the planning turnaround for these games this coming weekend in two months. You're literally asking for it. Right. I can't imagine that this was cheap to put on. I mean, Gary Bettman's already said that the league is losing money just by playing. So why are you doing an outdoor exhibition Why are you spending more money on top of that? I I don't understand. I'm getting serious Twin Peaks vibes from, like, the entire setup and, like, atmosphere of what's happening here. Like, I was looking at renderings of what the rink is going to look like and, like, the stands and stuff. And it's all going to be very beautiful, but also very, like, stark and an affront to God and nature. Right. It's very Swedish in that way. (laughs) And we're probably never going to talk about how much it didn't need to happen. What's going to be interesting is is if there's like a, you know, outbreak from it, Mm -hmm. which is possible since there's going to be a lot of people coming in and out of an area where uh, they don't live. What That's the thing that sort of blows my mind is like, why did they pick these teams to play it? Like, why would you have... Why would you not just pick the closest teams to Lake Tahoe? Right. Like, just (laughs) use your brains. There's teams in California. They have too many. Yeah, let's get some... Let's get the Kings and the Ducks. Oh, yes. (laughs) Turgid. Yeah, then you would have, uh, what, the Kings and the Ducks and uh, the Coyotes and the Golden Knights or something. So that'd be real fun. (laughs) 
you know, oh God, I forgot to talk about this whenever we were talking about um, Arizona, mm-hmm. but I feel so bad for OEL. I know. Like Oliver Ekman Larson. He's playing his out. Is he a really good hockey player? No, probably not. Is he a good captain? Who's to say? Is he just like a really pleasant to look at Swedish man? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, he is. He seems really nice. I've been saying he should be the bachelor for years, and I stand by that. Him and, and Connor, what's his name? Connor Garland. Connor also very, very cute. Connor Garland, who was the one who scored a goal with his face, off of his face, and then was like bleeding from his eye. Hot. That was very rock and roll. Speaking of how the league is losing money, we finally are getting some rapid COVID tests installed around the league. I was reading the Greg Wyshynski and Emily Kaplan piece on what's basically their weekly installment on like how the league is trying to stop a pandemic. (laughs) Spoiler alert, not very successful so far. With seating arrangements (laughs) is how they're trying to do it. With science. But they seem to finally be realizing that like the NBA, rapid testing is actually a necessity, which is smart because they've also realized that they have a lot more players than the NBA does. Um, So they're working with a lot more people. So maybe it's good that we get some rapid testing involved as well. Um, That is very expensive. I am so curious. So they were talking about the procurement process Mm -hmm. for these tests. I wanted to know so badly how much was spent on getting all that stuff because they, you can't, so the way it works is you can't just source it all from like testing Walmart. Yeah, one lab or something. You have to get it from all over the country and they have to have different zones for like different teams. And I can't even imagine logistical nightmare. This is so stupid. Why are we doing this? If they can do that, then why can't I get a fucking vaccine yet? Like, if you would just use all this brain power and manpower that's going into making sure that we play a game next to Lake Tahoe, and if we put that to, like, the general vaccination effort, we'd be done by, like, May. We're doing this to sell Manscaped products. Like, (laughs) what are we doing? Oh, my God. (laughs) So... I thought this kind of little investigation was really interesting um, because we're just learning more and more about how the league is like making these decisions, right? One thing that so far is working in the league's favor is that the US is doing a shit terrible job at rolling out the vaccine. So combined with the fact that there's not going to be any events in the United States until, you know, late summer, right? And that arenas aren't being used as like vaccine distribution sites. They're not worried about the schedule. They're not worried about rescheduling games or anything like that because the arenas aren't getting used. Like they have plenty of fucking dates to work with. They want to be done before the start of the Olympics. The alleged Summer Olympics. (laughs) The Olympics that are definitely going to happen. wink, wink. I would be shocked. Again, I would be shocked if they played the whole 56 games. I mean, they are really going for going forward with saying they're going to complete the season. With the amount of games that have been missed and the amount of games that still aren't scheduled. So all but 17 of the 35 games have been have been rescheduled, yes. but there's still seven, 17 games that are still postponed. Basically, if you're a team like Dallas, where you're already so far behind in terms of games played, you can't afford to have another outbreak. Right. What, what I'm thinking is, like, what's going to happen when there's another outbreak to some of these teams? Like, what if you have to pause twice? They're going to get bounced out of the playoffs. 
three COVID strikes and you're out. That's basically what's going to happen. I mean, there's a lot of talk about how they're going to do seating and like some different divisions might actually have different seating, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And I'm just reading about all this and I'm just thinking, why? I'm not even going to absorb any of all of the, all of these different scenarios of how we could do this because I just want to ask the question, why? Once again, we had another set of protocols rolled out last week, which was in addition to the rapid testing... Everybody's getting their cool KN95 masks. And I did, I saw some coaches double masking last week. And I was like, good, no glass behind the bench, double masking. I can work with this. I can vibe with this. Uh, my favorite thing is that they also removed the glass <laughs> from the penalty boxes. <laughs> so it's an open air jail. It's like a penalty cube now, like a penalty cubicle. They can spin on each other freely. I think they should put up like lasers. They don't have to be real lasers, but like laser effect instead. That would be so cool. So cool. Like something very out of Star Wars, I think, would would look menacing. They would have to like rename inside the lasers with (laughs) With Brian Boucher. But I really do, I really do feel for the like league officials who usually sit between the penalty boxes, like the timekeepers and the score, the official score people or whatever. Because they're usually men in their 60s or 70s. And they're just sitting there between two unmasked, sweaty professional hockey players who are usually screaming at each other. Like they're just getting spit on. Right. Because there's no glass there now. Logic and reason, folks. I need you guys to like, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably watching games, but it is so funny to watch them sit in there, basically in an open air. It's like they're in stocks. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so funny. They could just climb out and go finish fighting each other um, in the stands. Dude, I would bet actual money that like somebody tries to go over their own cue. That would be too cool. Like by the end of the season. That would be too cool. You're right. Nothing about cool. We can't have anything. The other thing that I took from the Greg Wyshynski and Emmeline Kaplan piece that came out today was, and Greg tweeted this today, actually, that I thought was really interesting, was that the player's perception of the virus one year after the pandemic impacting the league is troubling. One player told us about 75% of each team takes it seriously. Yes. And the other 25% of it think it's like the flu. The other 25% is Duncan Keith. (laughs) (laughs) Who thinks he can biohack his way out of the pandemic, which is lovely for him. Ask Jonathan Uh, Taves how that's going. (laughs) Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. And they they were saying like, yeah, a lot of the guys don't really understand why we have to wear masks. And I'm just like, this is a perfect microcosm for the United States. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And to be honest, 75% seems a little high in my estimation. I think the funniest uh, protocol that's come down is the one where they try to ask all the families to quarantine. Yeah. Uh, Oh, sorry. If you're married to an NHL player, you're now in jail. And also the fact that that was not something that they had mentioned beforehand. I'm like, the league is basically just now asking their players and their players' families to observe the same quarantine rules that we've all been trying to observe for a year. Like, don't do unnecessary errands. Stay at home. Don't socialize with people outside of your household. They just didn't feel the need to, like, communicate that to them. Well, because they wanted to see, they wanted to do as much as they can and get away with as much as they can, which is what has been their sort of MO the entire time. Mm -hmm. If you don't make any, you only make regulations when you have to. Mm -hmm. And this is why they shouldn't have been playing. It's completely by the seat of their pants. 
And which which to me makes like the stuff they did at the Capitals earlier this season even worse. Just arbitrary finding them that much money. Exactly. Every day they wake up and they decide, oh, maybe we should make some new rules today. Or maybe the rules that we made last week don't apply anymore. I do think it's really funny timing that this new insight into how the NHL is uh, forming these rules came the same day as the Coyotes piece. Because (laughs) when Greg Wachinski says... The league, in multiple sources, told us there's no internal panic in the NHL about the season careening off course after a challenging first month. Do you believe? Do you believe that, Christina? I do not believe that. <laughs> I believe there probably is some degree of internal panic about the season going off the rails. It's only been the first month, and 35 games have been postponed. Over 100 players total on the list so far. That was another shocking thing about the article is that they were so is that the league was so surprised mm-hmm. that this many people got sick. I'm like, what did you think what was going to happen? Think was, and the thing, there was an undisclosed number of acceptable losses that they were getting ready to like, not not like that, not like casualties, oh. but like they going in, they were like, some players are going to get sick. We're expecting to have some cancellations, not this many cancellations, but one or two. Right. And to me, this is just another indication of how they're going to hammer these games at Lake Tahoe through this weekend, no matter what happens. Because, like, if these didn't happen, if they got called off at the last second, I feel like there would be a large push to pause the season. Right. But I don't think that's going to happen. So I don't think they're going to pause the season. It's going to be so great to watch Stanley Cup finals being played by a bunch of taxi squad players. Uh, Good for them. I, you know, I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, this is probably the best time possible. I mean, it's not the best time possible for anyone, but like if you're an AHL player. Yeah. If you're a cuspy guy who's like a bottom six player at best, this is your time to shine, especially if you don't have a wife, a girlfriend, or kids. Yeah. Just go into like a hermetically sealed tube until they need you. You can call in with your questions or suggestions for next week's episode at 774-318-6952. You can follow us on Twitter at at PuckBunnies underscore pod or on Instagram at PuckBunniesPod no underscore. Please, please, please rate and review the show on your platform of choice. We got some really sweet reviews oh, over yeah, the last week. Oh, yeah, that was really was- nice. I was feeling really sad, and I read them, and I was like, oh, I have value. Everything's going to be okay. It was very nice, so thank please you. Please validate you us. read them. And please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash puckbunnies. I'm Christina. I'm Audrey. And this has been Puck Bunnies. Bye, y'all. graduated, but until then, sayonara. Stop my car up. Vroom, vroom. On the highway, billboards look all on the skyway. Billboards look all on the skyway. Shit. It's so dark, darker than me. It's so dark, how can you see? Make my bed, I sleep alone. I'd rather have my telephone. In my dream, I miss my exit. Put me to sleep, relax my mind and count the sheep, beep beep.
the Autobahn is at a creek, the river rising, getting deep, beep, beep. You're so dark, darker than me. You're so dark, how can you see? Clear blue skies, you're like a cave. Sunny days, you don't need shades. Mine's a maze, complicated. Made it out, glad you made it. But till then, Sayonara, talk to you later, start my car up. Boom, boom, on the highway. Billboards look all on the skyway.